0: And welcome to Start Right Here, a podcast where we discuss breaking in, standing out, and the path to success in the beauty industry. I'm your host, Corinne Corbett, and I hope the conversations I have with my guests inspire you to forge a path of your own. Let's get started. On today's show, I'm really excited to welcome Monet Everett, a celebrity hairstylist who's also an author and an educator who's going to tell us about her career journey and share some of the highlights and lessons she's learned along the way. Welcome, Monet. Thank you so much for having me. Could you give us your 30-second bio? All
1: right, I'll try to keep 18 years in under 30 seconds. I have been doing this for a while. I am blessed to be in the beauty industry, which I love so much. You may know me from styling some of your faves like Tia Mari, Dominique Fishback, a lot of the Nickelodeon and Disney starlets. I'm working with a couple of the young ladies like Paige from Power that's starting shortly. I love to educate. I just released my second book, Get Out of Your Own Way, for people who want to get into this industry. And I am just loving the beauty industry.
0: Was the beauty industry a destination or a detour for you?
1: I love the beauty industry. But when you ask that way, I guess it was a detour. I thought I would only be in beauty to pay for college. I didn't expect to like fall in love with it.
0: How did you come to beauty then?
1: I was very opinionated growing up. Um, I always had something to say. This is before, you know, the red carpets were a really big thing about how people looked and folks would say, if you can't do any better, you shouldn't say anything. And I was like, you know, I think I could do better. And then I started hearing all the stories about being broke in college, and none of those appealed to me. I didn't see why someone would want to go to school and not have money. So I came up with the grand idea, okay, I'll do cosmetology while I'm in high school and college. You know, I'll have a career to take care of myself before I go to the real thing, which was radio and TV. And none of that worked out that way.
0: After college, how did you decide that this was the career path that you wanted to take?
1: Well, I always laugh about this. I don't know what in my mind told me that after I graduated college, I would be able to be a sought after celebrity hairstylist because college has nothing to do with celebrity hairstyling, but I just really thought it was going to go that way. So I graduated. I was like, okay, now I'm going to be a celebrity hairstylist. And it was like, girl, no, that didn't happen at all. I realized there was a lot I still needed to learn about the beauty industry. I needed more education. So I really focused on that. I went into a chain salon that offered a lot of education because I realized that's where your strength is. No one can take from you what you know.
0: Being at a chain salon is an opportunity to like work on lots of different people. Exactly. So what's the lesson that you learned there that set you up for success later as a celebrity hairstylist?
1: Well, my platform is all about being a diverse hairstylist, a diverse hair visionary. I'm able to work with every hair texture. And I'm a hair visionary because I'm able to tell them what I'm going to do, how I'm going to do it, and actually deliver on it. I believe it's okay to have a niche. For what I do, I have to be happy to style any hair texture that sits in my chair. And it gives me a lot of pride knowing that anyone that sits in my chair is going to get up looking a lot better than when I first sat down. The importance of being able to style every hair texture
0: to a very high standard. How did you come to actually realize your dream and start working on celebrities?
1: I did not know until probably my senior year in college when I overheard a coworker talking about this. Like, I didn't know it was a thing when I overheard her saying, Hey, you know, that's what she always wanted to do. And she wanted to work with magazines and celebrities were on the cover and the Kmart commercials had hairstyles. And I was like, Whoa,
0: what are you talking about?
1: I did not know it was possible to do anything in the beauty industry outside of the salon until that conversation. So I had 10 million questions for her and I was like, well, if people are doing it, clearly this is what I need to do. Clearly this is where all the rich people are and that's what I need to do. And I found out that's not exactly true, but in order for me to leave my mark, I do feel that's the realm for me.
0: How did you end up working on Celebrities?
1: That conversation happened when I was working in Northern Virginia. Then I went, after falling on my face, deciding I'm going to be a celebrity hairstylist, I went to Capitol Hill working for a chain salon where I became the manager. All along this way, I was doing photo shoots on the side. I was doing local runway shows. I was doing my version of networking. And I say my version because as I talk about and get out of your own way, I didn't know the right thing to do. So I was just doing everything. So now I'm a manager on Capitol Hill, which afforded me a little more freedom. So I'm scheduling on my off days, which I think were like Monday and Tuesday or something like that to do photo shoots. Along this way, I start hearing about being an educator. So I became an educator for the chain salon as a hair color educator. And then I left to work with the company. The reason why all of this works together, I'm getting to. So I left to work with that company and that company decided to fire everybody they had just hired a few months ago. So now I am on severance because they're firing me. I had just made that three month cut. So I had nothing to do all day. So after I cried and died and trying to figure out how to move along, I decided, okay, well, if I'm blessed to still be receiving severance, meaning I'm getting a check to support myself, I better really focus on photo shoots and the things that I want to do. So that's when I really went out of my way to start scheduling a lot of photo shoots, to start working with other people. And all along these years, I had been working, but it wasn't something I could focus my everything on. I knew that when I was in high school and college, I had wanted to live in New York, but I had always had excuses. Now I don't have a job. My personal life wasn't going so great in my apartment. My living situation wasn't going so great. Everything fell apart within the same week. So I said, okay, clearly God has taken everything from me for me to focus on what my next steps are. What happens is many times we think it's one big thing, But it can be a lot of small ways that you've prepared yourself. So, yes, everything was taken away and I was now able to focus, but I didn't start there from block one. It was what I had been doing for the previous probably six or eight years part time that allowed me to build a reputation for myself, allowed me to start preparing a portfolio, allowed people to start learning who I was. But now I was able to build upon those blocks and start focusing on traveling more often to New York for photo shoots and jobs. I had been doing this before, here and there when I could. But now, since I had the ability to do it, I was doing it more often and I was really solely focused on this goal.
0: Were you able to sign with an agency at that time?
1: I was with an agency in D.C., and name only because they really didn't get you work. And I had started harassing agents in New York. And I say harass because I didn't know better. I did not know how to really pitch myself. And on occasion, they would throw me a bone in DC. So when I moved to New York, a year or so after being laid off, I had moved to New York. They were aware of who I was. So they were giving me jobs here and there. The way that I went about finding agencies was I just looked up creative agencies and it wasn't like it is now. 15 years ago, it was very difficult to find this information. Now you just go on Instagram or Google and you can look up creative agencies or you can find what artists work with what agencies to figure out how they got there.
0: Yes. And I can't remember that there was a book. That used to be a binder book that we used at magazines that had every artist in every agency. I'll have to think of that later. That was before Instagram and Google and all that. That's how we booked people. That's how we found out who worked with whom in terms of creatives and agencies. I still don't know about your first celebrity experience. Who was your first celebrity?
1: I had worked with like a lot of G-list celebrities that if I were to tell you now, you probably wouldn't even remember. But I think I'll go with um, my first real celebrity, at least to me, was Angie Martinez. And I did her for Barack Obama's inauguration.
0: In order to get signed with an agent. You have got to have something in your book that's going to move them to see your talent and display your talent in lots of different ways, especially. So how did you make the connections with photographers, with models, with other people to build a book?
1: What I started doing was I would go on like Model Mayhem and find photographers and I would say, hey, I want to work with you. I would try to reach out to makeup artists and say the same thing. And what would happen is a lot of times I reach a photographer, if I was able to get him to work with me, he would have a connection with a wardrobe stylist or with a makeup artist. Sometimes I would pay him to get the images because I needed what I needed. And sometimes we would all partner and see what came out. And I always tell people, you don't know what you need until you start. In the beginning, I had no idea what I needed. So I did hundreds of shoots that were not in my book. A portfolio is an ongoing thing. Still to this day, from time to time, if there is an amazing photographer, model, makeup artist, and wardrobe stylist, I will still test to create portfolio images. You need this portfolio for agencies to decide if they want to deal with you, and you need the images in your portfolio for celebrities to look through to say if they will give you a chance. The portfolio is going to show things like, do you know how to work with the right hair products so that it's photoed nicely. Many times hairstylists are in the salon and they create a beautiful style and they take a picture and it just doesn't come out the way that they thought it would. So they learn, okay, maybe that style was right, but maybe I didn't execute it with the best products. These are all things that you learn while creating
0: your portfolio. Going from test shoot to real life shoot, what was the learning curve like?
1: The biggest learning curves I learned doing photo shoots were that in the salon, generally it's, you know, whatever you do, you're the boss. And on a test shoot, many times you're the hair boss, whatever. On a paying photo shoot, everybody has an opinion about the hair and everybody feels like they can touch the hair. And your goal is to create an overall great image. So you have to be open to that. You have to be open to all of the opinions and all of the touches. Even if you don't want to be open, they're going to
0: come. And you have to be open to the changes requested as well, because there are many changes requested. Yes.
1: Oh, my God, there are so many changes. And I find a learning curve might be something so small as a lot of hairstylists really struggle with a real center part. It could be really small things that they just don't consider Important, And you take a photo of it and you're like, yeah, that part is crooked. Um, yeah, it's not symmetrical hair. There were huge learning curves, learning to be almost a perfectionist. And I say almost because you have to learn to play to that camera, whereas it depends on who you were testing with before for how far they pushed you.
0: Yeah, because if you're testing and everyone is a novice, there isn't anybody there who can look at the image or look at the set or look at the image and say, mm, that's not going to work. So everybody's finding their way together. Yes. There's a great thing when everyone's finding their way together and then you all stumble upon the perfection or the thing that you want. There's something really valuable there. But when someone's paying you to be the professional, if I'm hiring a hairstylist, I have an expectation, if I'm doing a shoot, that they are bringing what I need.
1: Absolutely. And there's no redos. Either you get it right or you're not invited back. And if you're really not getting it right from the beginning,
0: I've seen people be invited to leave. Absolutely. And I have invited people to leave before. And that's why I asked about the portfolio, because it is very important that you be able to showcase the variety of your strengths, but sometimes it's a personality fit. Everyone has an opinion, but sometimes you have to understand the hierarchy that might take place at a shoot, especially if it's advertising. Editorial is one thing, and there's definitely a hierarchy there, but if it's advertising or record label or entertainment company, there's a real hierarchy where lots of people are not saying anything because they are not able to. So if you are the professional that is all of a sudden a little bit too opinionated, that could become problematic. Start Right Here is brought to you by Beauty Biz Camp, where we equip and inspire the next generation of industry leaders. Head over to our website, beautybizcamp.com, for more information and sign up for our mailing list. So you can stay in the know about our upcoming programming. What do you think the unsung skill is that you need to succeed as a celebrity hairstylist?
1: I would say communication and understanding. God gave us two ears and one mouth for a reason. And that was definitely something that it took me a while to learn. It's great you have opinions. You need to listen way more than you speak, and you need to be able to communicate what you're going to do, how you're going to do it, how long it takes you to do it, and get done what you said you were going to get done in that time period. In a salon, if you're running 15, 20, 30 minutes late, okay, test shoot, all right, not on a paying set where you could end up causing thousands of dollars in delays, So you better make sure that you have a real understanding of your skill. I speak a lot about everybody on set speaks a different language. It's like the gathering of the UN. The photographer speaks one language, the makeup artist, um, the ad buyer, the celebrity, everybody speaks a different language and I cannot harp enough on being able to communicate. They truly do not understand hair in many situations. You have to communicate what's gonna happen and how you can all work together to create this image. You're saying, oh, I'm saying something so simple. Her hair's gonna be curly. There's 110 ways the hair could be curly, but how is that gonna work with this ruffle top and this red lip on this orange background? They need to understand all of that, especially if I find myself in a situation quite often where they have mapped out the entire shoot from makeup to background to timing, but not included the hair because they simply do not understand the hair. So they have hired me for my professional expertise to come in and not only deliver amazing hair, but amazing hair that fits into the overall image without having it look like I wanted it to be a hair shoot. I need to accessorize the overall shoot, not come in and, you know, steal the air out of the room.
0: Right. And I think that. One of the most important things in that instance is the creative meeting that happens either before the shoot and at the beginning of the shoot. Yeah. Everyone is looking at what the final looks are and then discussing what the total look is going to be and then can move from there. Exactly. Yeah. That's really, really important. They definitely want your expertise, but hopefully there is a vision that has been explained to you so that you're not, you know, walking around in the dark trying to decide you know, trying to help them along to develop the, the vision. Um.
1: <laughs> yeah, oh, cool. sometimes that's how we like for it to be. I just had this conversation with my agent. I'm like, is it the norm that so many of my shoots, they do not have a hair vision? And I guess they said you're the hair visionary. I said, I guess so. Okay.
0: <laughs> Honestly, I've never been on a shoot where there was not a hair vision ever. So that's why I'm like, ooh, things have changed a little bit.
1: Yeah, I get that a lot. I think especially with my understanding of working with all hair textures and a lot of brands and magazines are trying to be open with, okay, we casted this model. How do we make her look in her best light without a hair change? And I have a lot of clients who have hair specifications, like celebrity clients, like I love my 4C coils and I don't want any heat use. Hire Monet because she knows how to work with my hair and make it look great. And I even have some clients who have stick straight hair who they're like, no, you will not put a curl in it. Hire Monet. She can do a creative style that goes with every look without us spending an hour trying to make my hair do something it doesn't want to do.
0: Yeah, it's fantastic when the talent has that kind of power. Yes, when they do, you're right. That's one of the biggest challenges right now, particularly in Hollywood, because you see it on screen that they didn't have the power because maybe they weren't number one on the call sheet or number three or so they have to go along with some of the less than knowledgeable hairstylists who don't even know how to properly place a wig. And somebody with a beauty background is painful to look at shows that have episode upon episode where you have a a person of color looking really really less than their
1: best well it's interesting you bring that up i was in um old magazine last year discussing this and i've even been flown out to like london and new zealand because they didn't have anybody that they felt confident in styling wavy hair not even curly or coily hair And I would love for actresses to understand that many times they have more power than they think they do, that when you're writing these requests for what you would like on set, if you are able to say you want all red M&Ms, you can attempt at bare minimum to say you need someone who is able to style your texture of hair. You need someone who is being paid at rate to come in to style your hair. So many times these production houses are not thinking of that, but we do have a lack of diversity and inclusion problem that we're gonna have to fight at multiple levels. The buck doesn't stop at any one person. When I speak to my actresses, I let them know that they have a little more power a lot of times than they know that they do. And people are not gonna tell you your power because it's not beneficial to them.
0: You were doing more than color when you're educating others now. So how did you make that part of your platform? You're busy already doing celebrities. You're, you know, you're doing lots of other things, but you thought it was important that you also do this. So tell me about that.
1: Yes, well, thank you for bringing that up. And it's funny, I enjoyed hair color. So that's why I did that. And I even had to learn, you're not coloring hair on set. So you're literally styling hair. So I had to change my wheelhouse when I uh, began to focus more on photo shoots and celebrities. And there's just so many things I didn't know and so many things that I did wrong. And then all of a sudden I started getting DMs and emails from other artists like, hey, I noticed your work. How did you get there? And I was like, oh, y'all think I'm (laughs) doing it right now. Okay, great. And I just remember there, I didn't know one person in the entertainment industry in the beginning, and I certainly didn't know one hairstylist. So I said, okay, apparently I need to be the change that I wanted to see. I need to put the information out there for artists who want to do more to find it, because it's a never-ending problem if you have people doing the wrong thing because they can't find the right thing. When are we ever going to open the doors, like we just spoke about celebrities not looking good on TV? If the artists who are able to do them have no idea how to make it into this elite world, how is that ever going to change? I'm not saying I want the artists who are already getting the work to continue to feast. I want to open the door so that the artists who have the skills can come onto these sets and show their skills. So I had to unravel all of my different thoughts and say, how do we get them there? How do I teach you about um, the importance of a portfolio? How do I teach you different ways to display your work? How do I teach you the differences between salon hair and photo shoot hair? So I started doing online courses to make it very easy for folks. You just go to themonelife.com. I started doing a lot of lives. I started actually answering questions. And then I decided to put it all one place with my own education platform, the Monet Life University. And it's been going pretty well so far. I'm enjoying people reaching out and asking questions and telling me what they're learning. And
0: what made you become an author as well?
1: As has been pointed out in this conversation, I've clearly done a lot of different stuff. (laughs) I have a YouTube channel and on my YouTube channel, I think I was one of the um, few people who were showcasing different hair textures. So my first book was called Stunning Braids. A publisher found me and I did a book on 25 different braided hairstyles. So I got the bug and I was able to say some things that I would want to do differently. And I realized that people were buying the book about braided hairstyles, but they were like, "Uh uh-huh, this is great. Can you tell me how I did what you do? This This is great, but... I want to do photo shoots. I want to work with celebrities. So I'm like, okay, I hear you. And those questions didn't stop. So it started off as just a download of like 10 things I wish I knew in the beginning, but I kept drawing on it and capitalized and adding more explanation. It turned into 25 things. And then I realized a lot of those tips I had, I was really in my own way. Yes, I didn't know what to do, but it wasn't a situation of I don't know what to do And hey, this happened to work. Many times it was, I didn't know what to do and I did the wrong thing. So when those opportunities arose, I just simply wasn't ready. So all of these tips I came up with, I came up with the title, get out of your own way. Because yeah, you want to do this, but you're making the wrong moves and you're really getting in your own way. You're not starting in a way of, hey, teach me, let me grow. Maybe you're starting in a way of, I know this, I know that. So people don't want to help you. Those doors are not opening because the people don't know you where you want to go and because you're getting in your own way by making the wrong moves.
0: When you are identifying a team, if you're working on a large project and you have to hire other stylists, what do you look for? How do you identify top talent?
1: This is great. You asked the question similar about different things to learn. So there's two different skill sets. There's your hard skills with how do you actually style hair? And then there are your soft skills. Are you teachable? Do you listen? Are you on time? Those are really big things. And I can tell something so small by if I put up a post online and I say, here are whatever details I feel like giving about this job, what I'm looking for from you. I need your name, phone number, email, website, and social media if I cannot get those five things in an answer, I have learned the hard way. You don't listen and you're not teachable. You may have been very excited and just put whatever you felt you needed to write, but that's not going to help me because I have learned by overlooking these things that they tend to be the ones who show up late. And when I ask them to do something, they have a conversation about it. So I look at, Can you follow those basic directions? I'm also looking at your website and your social media. Those are two separate things. They are not interchangeable. Your social media shows me your actual hairstyling skills as it is supposed to be a medium that's not edited. So I can see, can you do this updo? Can you work a flat iron without leaving marks? But your website shows me, are you able to work with a team? It doesn't matter if that team was just you, the makeup artist, and the photographer, or just you and the photographer, because you know, you're starting out. I'm taking all of that in. Then sometimes I may pick up the phone and call you to see like, can we vibe? Vibing is a really important part of being on set. As you spoke earlier, sometimes there are just personality clashes. And if I'm working on a project, I can't run into the issue of any of my superiors or any of the talent noticing we're not So I'm looking at your website. I'm looking at your social media. I'm looking at, do you follow directions? I'm looking at, do I think we would be able to work together in terms of skill set. I may also be looking at, can you offer something that I don't offer? I don't know what that might be. Uh, Maybe let me make up something I can braid, but maybe you're really fast at really intricate braids that would be a great addition to my team. Maybe you've shown through your work that you are a beast at hairstyles that stand up on end. I might need that because even if I'm good at something, sometimes my team requires that I find people who are equally as good as me. And sometimes my team requires that I can find people who are able to assist. Maybe I need you to hand me bobby pins or maybe I need you to do those five models.
0: When do you know that a job or a client is not the right fit for you?
1: I've had three or four clients whose name are in face of flashing over me. I had one client who literally turned around and said, here we go, Monet, always something nice to say. That was a good indicator that we were not a good fit. I've had clients who want things that simply cannot be done on their hair, who I said are not a good fit. I have one client who liked to walk around completely naked at all times. That didn't really work for me. And I've learned I want to be in charge of who I want to work with. I want to do such a stellar job on every client that I can be too busy for them. And in the beginning, it's not that way. So I probably worked with everybody and sucked up everything and made mental notes of who I didn't want to work with. But I would say overall, it was probably more personality conflicts or like one client who was always hours late. But you do know, regardless of what time the project starts, it has to end at the same time. So that client wasn't right for me.
0: Tell me what it's like to work on set on a photo shoot.
1: Working on set can be a lot of fun, but it is always a lot of pressure. And uh, I think that's A really big part of what separates, you know, from working in a salon, some things I didn't know to look forward to. Like, you know, in a salon, you show up, your stuff is there and you do whoever comes to you. But when I work on set, I'm usually preparing at bare minimum a day or two ahead of time. When these celebrities come, it is 118% their time. If I'm lucky, I have met the makeup artist and trying to figure out how we're going to work. Are we going to be able to work at the same time or do we need to separate this prep time? Has the talent already had her fitting? Because I can always accommodate for hair and makeup, but that during fitting is like, you never know how long that's going to take. Then I'm greeting the client. I'm doing some form of consultation, especially if it's my first time working with them. But here's the thing. I don't care if I've worked with them 12 times. I'm consulting with them about their look that day, I never want to make somebody feel like, "Oh, I'm gonna just give you, you know, whatever. I don't have the time to do the look that the producer told me, I want her hair just like this because they will wait till you get done and be like, mm-hmm, I don't like it. So if you're supposed to be ready to go at noon, I know I have to be done with all of my part and have her completely ready to go at noon. Doesn't matter if we start it late or not. My part needs to be done when she's ready to go on set. I've learned. There are so many things that you can assume and assume the wrong way. So I'm there trying to figure out how to communicate so that we're all there on the same page. It is very stressful, but I've learned the more organized I am, the less stressful it is. The more I communicate, the better I can understand what is requested from me. And the more I communicate with the client, the more comfortable she is with me. I need her to tell me if she doesn't like something, not go out there with an attitude or text her PR person, "Uh uh-uh, don't bring her back.
0: Now let's move on to our fast track questions. What was the very first beauty product you either bought or tried?
1: I think it was Luster's Peak Lotion. I remember around eight or nine, because I guess I should have known I was going to be in the hair industry because I used to give my mother the blues doing my hair at like five or six. And Lord Jesus, if she didn't get my part straight, I would melt down, cry. So hair has always been really important to me. I think it was pink lotion.
0: What's the latest product that you tried?
1: The latest product that I tried come from Naked by Stations, And I believe... They're also owned by Lustre, so it's super full circle. I just tried their keratin treatment, and I'm feeling it, and um, they have this serum that's awesome.
0: What's the beauty advice you either live by or leave alone?
1: I live by it doesn't have to hurt. I'm super tender-headed, and okay, a little discomfort from time to time, but we have to learn to stop ripping out our hair. You don't need to walk around in pain. And the other part of what I don't deal with is telling somebody how they need to look.
0: Who gave you the best career advice and what was it?
1: I have been given so much career advice. I don't even know if I can think of anything. Maybe Tippi Shorter, who's in the foreword of my book, Get Out of Your Own Way. I know she told me stuff like, you got to be more than a hairstylist or I know when I moved to New York, I learned the hard way. Everybody, for the most part, is a great hairstylist, or at least that's just the expectation. So there are not enough people judging on how you actually style hair. They're judging on that plus an additional 10 things.
0: What was your most memorable mentorship experience, either as a mentor or a mentee?
1: I have recently fallen in love with mentorship in probably the last five or 10 years or so. So I am always in some form of mentorship. Okay. I'll go with one of, have you noticed that most of your stories that ended with you getting in trouble started with all I said was,
0: was that said to you or you said that to someone
1: (laughs) that was said to me. And after I picked myself up off the floor, I realized there was a lot of truth in that. And it's, I do offer hair career mentorship, but I have heard many of my friends say they look to me as a mentor for advice, which is kind of takes me back because I'm like, wow, I guess I'm the adult in the room now. So I guess I had a high school friend call me the other day and said life wasn't going so great and God put on his heart to call me. And what I asked him was, if you're telling me you're happy with where you are, but you call for help. So I'm going to ask it this way. If your child were a carbon copy of you, would you be proud? And he said it was a gut punch.
0: That's a serious question and requires lots of reflection.
1: He said, well, maybe if and if they did this part or not that, I said, no, 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 carbon copy. Then he said, no. And it hurt. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, last question.
0: What, in your opinion, makes a hairstylist memorable?
1: You know, I'm going to take it away from hairstyling, you're expected to do a great job. And it's wonderful when we see hairstylists that create unforgettable hairstyles that go down in history, but notice they don't always stay with that client. What makes them most memorable to that client is how good they made the client feel while they were creating this style. If you cannot make somebody feel good while doing it, they're not going to want you to come back. It's a simple law. People go towards what makes them feel good and away from what doesn't.
0: That is a word. (laughs) If you really think about it summing up, what we've really talked about today is, I mean, it's not just about being a hairstylist who has skills. Like yes, being able to do diverse textures of hair is your point of difference. But your other point of difference is you in terms of how you carry yourself, how you come into a room how you're trying to make that client feel. And you're working from a positive perspective at all times.
1: Absolutely. Your job, which most hair and makeup people don't realize, is to get them feeling good so they can go out and face the world.
0: That's a wonderful word to stop at. To go out and face the world. It's almost like they have their armor on in terms of the hair makeup, the costume, so to speak, and that they can go feeling like their best self and do their job as well absolutely thank you Monet this has been really really enlightening I couldn't thank you enough for joining me today thank you for having me that's our show for today remember that there's more than one way to the top and the most important step is the first one so start right here